It's the Shiesty Show podcast. I'm your host, Matt, back with another episode here on the Shiesty Show. This is episode 28. We live and direct. Let's get Shiesty. First things first, um, you know, of course, we're going to have to talk about the Super Bowl. Um, Chiefs win 25-22. Uh, win over the 49ers. I was actually going for the 49ers in this game. Um, not a Chiefs fan, you know, love the Raiders till I die. So that's our rival. We didn't want to see them get another Super Bowl ring, but <clears throat> Max Crosby said it best. Actually, I want the Chiefs to win, so when we knock them off, it feels that much better, you know. But, uh, <laughs> nah, at the end of the day, uh, my full recap of the game is this. <clears throat> they should have ran the ball more, the 49ers. Uh, you got the best running back in the game, uh, Christian McCaffrey on your team, and you had a lead pretty much the whole game until – um, you know, that muff that muffed punt, but we'll get to that right now. But you gotta ha you gotta hammer the ball home. When you're the better running team and the team you're playing against, Kansas City is known to give up runs. Uh they're not the best run defense in the NFL. Um and you, you don't go at them with the lead for the Super Bowl on the line. Um honestly I just think it's too much of these uh offensive offensive gurus or offensive geniuses that everyone likes to say and they want to capitalize on it and, and throw touchdown passes all game but if that's not what got you to the big game then there's no need to do that when you get in the big game you know uh some of these some of these guys just overtake the play calling and 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 they should actually simplify the game and run the ball more um but some of these offensive gurus they want to get all the recognition they want to get all the fame for winning the Super Bowl, and uh, it cost them. It cost the 49ers. It cost the Seattle Seahawks. Instead of running the ball, he wanted to make Russell Wilson look uh, A1 day one, and Pete, Pete Carroll put his reputation, his team, and a Super Bowl on the line just to be held in that regard, and, and it backfired. And it, it, it's backfired with Kyle Shanahan a few times. Um the Atlanta game against the Patriots. The other times he's been in the Super Bowl with the Niners, uh, they just they get there by running the ball, and then in the big game they don't continue to run the ball. So, in my eyes, it was just the coaching wasn't good. But in my eyes, this was the biggest play of the game for me in the Super Bowl. I think in my eyes, the biggest game, and then we really turned it around. Uh, I was watching the game here at my house with uh, some family that I had over. Just a few of us watching the game, <clears throat> and um, I said it. I said it when the game was happening. I said that punt that that guy his it kicked his it hit his foot. At first, I thought the guy tried to catch it and then he backed away, which is the dumbest thing you could do. But it actually hit his teammate in the foot, and that's why he tried to recover the ball. At that point, it's a fumble. It's a live ball. Uh, I got to jump on this ball. He did the right thing. It just didn't turn out in his favor. Um, but that was to me was. Uh, excuse me. To me, that to me that was the biggest play of the game. I think that's what really changed the outcome. Because other than that, the 49ers had done an excellent job of holding Mahomes, holding Kelsey. I think he only finished with, what, four or five catches for no more than 30 yards. So I know he had one late. But other than that, he was pretty much held to four catches, 23 yards or something like that. You know, something ridiculous because they – a lot of people say that they shut out George Kittle, but they did the same thing to Travis Kelsey. And uh, 
Travis Kelsey is supposed to be the best tight end in the game. Um, so they did a great job on shutting down that. Uh, I thought the defensive line played with great energy. I thought they brought it all game. Um, but that play is what really turned that Super Bowl around for the Chiefs because, as you saw, right when Pat Mahomes came in, you can't give that dude a short field. Uh, and that's exactly what they did. Pat Mahomes took advantage. He did what? I think the first pass he threw was a touchdown. Uh, when you got to go 15 yards and you're the best quarterback in the game, too easy, baby. It's fried chicken. Uh, but other than that, I thought I thought the 49ers did a great job on defense pretty much the whole game until that point. Um, and, and that's just what snowballed the momentum. Football is a game of momentum. Whether the team is better or not, if you have the momentum on your side – nine times out of ten uh that's that's gonna be the team that wins the game you you got great momentum you got you got the steam rolling for you and your team um it ends ends up good for you man you play hard um and a game you know, like i said the football is all about a game a game of momentum and that really shifted the momentum because as soon as that happened that's when packing home started to drive up and down the field like no problem uh, because before that, they weren't really getting much. Everything was punt, punt. It was a, pretty much a defensive game, which a lot of people are here uh, on these podcasts complaining about. I actually like a defensive game. It's interesting to me watching two defenses just shut out an offense. Uh, that's interesting to me. I like I like that type of football as well. I don't like just seeing the 40, 50-point games where it's just up and down the field, no problem. This is the NFL you should want to stop people. You should want to play good defense. That's a part of the game as well. Uh, like those great defenses of the Baltimore Ravens in 2000, uh, the Buccaneers in 02, um, you know, the Legion of Boom, some of these defenses that really just shut down an offense. <clears throat> you know, those, those those are great defenses, and, and I love watching that just as much as I do. Uh, I love watching great defense as much as I love great offense. Uh, so a lot of people complained about the game being very low scoring, not as an entertaining, not as entertaining for most people. But most people that come to the Super Bowl are people that probably don't even really watch football. Anyways, they come for the halftime show. They come for the commercials. Um, probably 80 percent of the people watching are only going to watch this one football game for, for pretty much. That's all they watch. And that's it. No other football for the whole year. So um, to me, that was that was the thing, man. Um, that really shifted the momentum and got him going. And um, oh man, Patty Mahomes with three, uh, he's got three, man. Um, love him, I hate him, which I hate him. Can't stand that motherfucker. I can't stand his brother, Patrick Mahomes. I don't know what's up with him, man, but he ain't some some <laughs> something's off with that dude, man. Um, but Patrick Mahomes, he got three. You can't deny greatness. Um. You know, as much as it pains for me to say, but I will say this: the last team to beat the Chiefs was the Raiders, and everyone heard the post-game interview where Andy Reid actually said that was the reason that they got motivated to go and win that Super Bowl because pretty much everyone had written them off during the season. All the analysts, NFL Network, all the programs that ESPN that cover football all week, um, pretty much had the Chiefs written off. They, they didn't think he would go and beat Josh Allen at home. You know, they didn't really think that he had enough to do all that, uh, not actually having home field advantage these playoffs, and, and he went out there and continued to do good. But I was getting back to the fact that Andy Reid said that Raiders' losses would really woke them up to go 
to to step it up and go win another championship. Um, I don't like Andy Reid, but I, I do respect the fact that he understood that it was a different Raiders. It's a different Raider team with Antonio Pierce, um, and and he gave him props. But all props to the Chiefs. Uh, another championship to Kansas City. I know they have the parade today on um, Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's to everyone and the couples. Uh, if you gay, I don't know if you gay, but, you know, we ain't hating on nobody. <laughs> we ain't on nobody's uh, origin here, okay? Whatever you like is what you like. I just like that y'all come to the Shiesty Show and listen to me every week. But another thing I do want to say is, like I getting back to AP, is congratulations to Antonio Pierce. He is the head coach of the Raiders. Uh, he's making big moves. He's got Marvin Lewis as a coach, uh, not a coach, but as an assistant, helping them with the roster moves. Um, you know, he's, 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 he's making big changes right now, man. And, uh, you can see he put, he, I just recently saw him on a podcast talking about how he basically put his job up for Jack Jones to come to the Raiders. And, and from day one, I have a comment on Instagram that got 500 likes because from day one, I didn't like the signing of Marcus Peters. I didn't think he played with much effort. God didn't bring it, and I think as soon as AP came in, that was one of the first moves he made that made me realize this guy cares about winning. And when he went and traded or got rid of him and got Jack Jones uh, on this podcast, he said he basically told Mark Davis everyone was a little hesitant about Jack Jones because if you don't know, cornerback, he used to play for the Patriots. He was a fourth-round pick. He got hemmed up in an uh, airport with guns in his bag. So he had a little bit of off-the-field issues before he came to the Raiders. And Antonio Pierce said that he basically put his job on the line and told Mark Davis, if this guy doesn't work out, you can get rid of him and me at the end of the season. And um, that just showed me a lot of the type of guy that Antonio Pierce is, man. He coached a guy in college, uh, in high school, uh, Jack Jones, that is. He coached him in high school, so he knew the background. Say so he's a young kid. He made mistakes. But he loves ball and he wants to be a Raider, man, and, 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 and it worked out for the best because you saw what Jack Jones did in those last last five weeks. He was good. Even you can say borderline great, but it's hard to be great when you just stepped into a defense for five weeks. But those last two weeks, when we stomped the Chargers and we beat the Chiefs, um, even the Bronco game, but mostly that Charger – and Chiefs game, he was the best cornerback in the game. Pick six on both games. Um, the one he jumped on the Chargers was probably one of the best interceptions I've ever seen. You ain't If you ain't seen an interception like this, boy was on the offensive side of the ball right when the ball was hiked. Um, you know, he, he really did his thing, man. Jack Jones was a great, great addition to the Raiders. He had a little slip up in that indie game, which I don't really think he was offsides, but – you know, he got flagged for that. <clears throat> but uh, he was a great pickup. And um, if that's the things to come with Antonio Pierce, I'm happy to be a Raider fan. I'm happy that we finally got the guy. No more big names, chasing the big names like Gruden or McDaniels or these other guys that had the – I'm glad they didn't go get hardball. I know the name looks nice. But uh, I'm glad they stuck with someone that loves the Raiders and is a fan of the Raiders and he's got us moving in the right direction.
definitely happy about that. Another thing about the Super Bowl, I see a lot of people talking about the Usher halftime show. So let me give you my thoughts on the Usher halftime show. I will say this. Um, I didn't really like the song selection in, in, in which it was placed. He didn't play Superstar long enough. That's one of my favorite Usher songs. Um, and I just heard that recently on a, on a podcast. Someone played it. <clears throat> and because um, I like Let It Burn. Um, what else? Yeah, of course I wanted to hear. Yeah, that was probably, to me, that was probably the best section of the show. You know, uh, Oh My God, you know, is another great Usher song that I like. But, yeah, I did. I think out of the whole performance, um, I like the song with Alicia Keys, My Boo. But I think for me, the best part of the performance is when he brought out Ludacris and Little John, and they did Yeah. Um, that's a, you know, that's a classic everywhere you go. Everybody knows that song. I think Ludacris is highly underrated. I think Little John is highly underrated as a producer. And, um, you know, that was probably the best section of the show. I didn't, I wasn't a, okay, one through ten. To me, the Super Bowl halftime show was a solid seven and a half. It wasn't the best thing I've ever saw, and it wasn't the worst that I've seen. Um, you know, with Dr. Dre and Snoop, I still say to me that's number one. You know, obviously from being from the West Coast as well, um, that's number one to me. Uh, number two, I would say I like Bruno's. I like Bruno Mars. Uh, I thought he did a great job with his performance. Um, another one I did see, I would say the Beyonce and Coldplay one is another one I would put up there in my top three. But for me, if this is going in the top, this is probably top 15. I put it in the top 15, not top 10, but I'd, I'd probably put it somewhere like 14, 15, maybe. Um, you know, it wasn't the best, wasn't the worst. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, Definitely liked the last part of it better. Kind of started off real slow with the, the the songs he selected. But at the end, you know, he started bringing in the heat. I did think Will I Am, he did look like Kanye West for a second, man. He looked like Kanye West for a quick second. Um, everyone's clowning Usher for going between the legs. Um, pause. <laughs> I don't even play that game. Pause. Um, but... Nah, he went between the legs, and everyone was saying that was a little, uh, you know, him being a legend, I guess he could get away with it, doing some stuff like that. But um, the roller skate thing was cool. You know, I remember being in seventh, eighth grade, going to the roller rink with my friends and um, getting on the four-wheelers and, and, and getting out there and doing my thing, you know, swanking. But it's all good. Yeah, so nah, I just I think it was it was it was decent. Seven and a half is the score I would have to give the halftime show. Uh, overall, the, the I thought the game was great. Halftime show was good. The national anthem was great. Um, we got a good game. I, I hate when you turn the Super Bowl and you have people over, and the game is over by halftime, and, and it's just everyone standing around or not really paying attention to the game anymore. This was a game you 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 watch through and through. Um, it went all the way. I thought it was going to go to second overtime, man. But once I seen Pat Mahomes within the 5-10 yard range, man, it was pretty much a lock. Um, you know, like I said, Raider fan at heart. But you can't deny greatness. You can't deny Tom Brady. You can't deny Michael Jordan. You can't deny Kobe Bryant. You cannot deny Patrick Mahomes. 
He's the best in the game right now. So that's what it is on that situation there. Uh, what else do we got to get into? Oh, they retired Shaq's number, Orlando. Uh, I think he did enough in Orlando. He's the only – him and Wilt Chamberlain are the only two players to have their jerseys retired by three different franchises. He's retired by Miami Heat, Orlando Magic, and the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, those, I think, are all warranted. The big man was dominant in those three places for sure. Uh, you know, at the later part of his career, he kind of bounced around a lot, but definitely was dominant in those three uh, franchises right there and made an impact won championships, uh, got to a championship with Orlando uh, in his younger days. Well, that's the young Shaq, boy. Well, that boy was just moving and grooving and moving up and down the court. He was skinny, you know. That was a skinny Shaq, swole Shaq. I wouldn't say skinny, swole Shaq. Not so much weight on the knees like the Los Angeles Lakers Shaq. That's the most dominant Shaq. L.A. Lakers peak dominance of Shaq. Orlando Shaq. You got the young days moving and grooving up and down the court. No problem. Knees feeling good. Um, and Miami got the slower but just as dominant Shaq. And that's why he was able to win a championship there as well. So congratulations to the big fella. Um, getting his jersey retired by three different franchises. Like I said before, only him, him and Will Chamberlain uh, are the two players to do that. Uh, on NBA news, I've been I've been keeping an eye on it. I'm I'm more of the football guy, but having a podcast, you got to keep your eyes on everything. Um, so as football season winds out, I start to tend to watch more basketball. Um, uh, last night was watching the Wolves, the Wolves game, man, and um, they 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 definitely look like a squad that's coming. Them, uh, the Thunder, um, of course, Boston. With Tatum, you know, there's some of these younger squads that are really that are really starting to shake and move and uh, show what they can do. Portland as well, um, you know, it's 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 looking good, man. And then you know, you now you got Dame with the Greek Freak. Those guys are still fairly young. I know Greek Freak is 29, so he he's getting right into his prime, uh, same age as Anthony Davis. Also, I think Anthony Davis. Is playing a lot better basketball for the Los Angeles Lakers. I think he's really stepped it up, knowing that these are the later parts, uh, latter years of LeBron's career, and the fact that LeBron is pretty much on his way out the door. So you know he he's been stepping it up a lot, doing his thing. Got a got a legal a lot of respect for him because he got totally destroyed uh, for not carrying the Lakers the last couple of years. So. Shout out to AD for doing that. I think Anthony Edwards is nice. Uh, I've really been paying attention to him a lot lately. We're watching these Wolves games. Him and Carol Anthony Towns, I think I think they have a great one-two punch there. Also with Rudy Gobert as their center, man. They they look they look pretty solid. Um, so I've been, I've been keeping an eye on that. You know, of course, my Lakers won last night, but they beat probably one of the worst teams in the NBA in the Detroit Pistons. So... We can't get too high, too low on that. We're still middle of the pack. Um, I just think after this all-star break, uh, Lakers got to pick it up if they want any chance to try to make it into the playoffs because um, this this, this, this ain't flying, man. I love LeBron because, you know what, I was never a LeBron fan until LeBron James came to the Lakers. 
Um, once he came to the Lakers, then you kind of devoted and you like the Lakers. You gotta you gotta ride with your man. And then he brought a championship to the Lakers, so he he gets a lot of respect. Uh, I wouldn't even doubt if they retired LeBron's jersey one day as a Laker just because he did bring a championship. I just think at this part of LeBron's career, with the way the team's playing, um, some of the things that he does off the court kind of, kind of, kind of take you to question his loyalty to the Lakers at this point in his career, wanting to play with his son, um, and and if the Lakers don't pick his son, where does that leave him? You know, so. Um, with that situation, I just think if there's trade value, even though the trade deadline is over now, I think if there was trade value for him, which I did hear Golden State Warriors were looking to trade for him and team him up with Steph. Um, how true that is, don't know. Got that from the internet, so shit is like 50-50 on the internet nowadays. So, but I think if there was a lot of good trade value for LeBron, I think you have to trade him. Um. You got your star in Anthony Davis. You got D'Lo. You know, those are two nice pieces right there. Um, like I said, LeBron's 39, going to be 40. How how long do you expect him to keep this this train going and moving, man? Um, so we, we, we got to see with that. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I just think at this point, this is probably going to be the last year for LeBron. And if they want to make any type of run, at another championship. I think if LeBron can get another championship for the Los Angeles Lakers, I think they will start to put him in that Kobe category. Uh, he didn't have as long as a run to get five like Kobe, but for him to come and get two, which they say the bubble is probably one of the hardest chips to get. Um, from all the players' podcasts that I listen to, um, a lot of those guys do say that was probably one of the harder chips and they start to see that now that we're coming four years out of COVID. And then he comes in, and before he leaves, he gets one more. Uh, you can start putting him in that Laker great. Uh, and that's definitely would get LeBron's jersey retired as a Laker. Um, and that and that's pretty amazing for the Lakers organization. They're like the New York Yankees, man, to have Will Chamberlain, Jerry West, the guy for the logo, Kobe Bryant, probably right behind Jordan as one of the best ever. Then behind him, you got Shaq, most dominant player ever. And then right behind him, you got LeBron James, probably in that Kobe Jordan conversation is one of the best ever. Um, All to play in the purple and gold. You got to love it, man. So uh, we got to turn it up. At the end of the day, right now, we meet it with the pack. So after this All-Star game Saturday and uh, All-Star weekend Saturday and Sunday coming up, we got to really see him turn it on and, and – and get going here, man, because <clears throat> if this is if this is the time for LeBron to get one more championship, it's right now. He's never going to have a better team than right now. AD's in his prime. D'Lo's in his prime. Uh, Austin Reeves, you know, that's right. Let alone right there, that's a that's a nice four that you got as starters. Um, you know, so we'll see how that goes. In other news today, the Monique interview with Club Shay Shay led to my boy Shannon Sharp getting into it with Mike Epps, comedian um, Mike Epps. Uh, to me, this is this is my honest opinion of the situation. To me, um, I seen Aaron Spears on DJ Vlad also talking about this um, situation with Cat Williams going on Club Shay Shay and now Monique, and and they're going up there laying into. 
comics and and uh, exposing things about comics. Um, to me, at this point, it's it just seems like a lot of hate is coming towards Shannon just because of the numbers that he's doing and how fast he's risen up. Um, to me, honestly, Nightcap, great podcast with him and Ocho. Um, you know, that should, to me, that's one of the best podcasts right now. And he also has Club Shay Shay, which he took from Fox. He took from Fox and put it on the volume. And it's a great podcast. I love, I love what Shannon's doing, man. I love everything he's doing. And he doesn't, and this is where I come from. This is not just someone that's watching from afar and just reading the clickbait news. So I guess some water right here. Nah, but not just, just not being into the clickbait news in the headlines and actually reading and watching and listening to Shannon's podcast. I never hear him call no names. I never hear him diss anybody unless they say something about him first. Even even with the whole, this whole Skip situation, how Skip kind of bullied him off of the show, um, he never said anything bad about, about Skip and how that situation ended. And you know, and everyone witnessed how that got toward the end of their partnership. Um, he's never came out and said anything bad about him. He's never came out and said anything negative about anybody. He just him and Ocho do their thing, talk about sports. They tell stories. They don't bother nobody. Um, and it just seems like after that Cat Williams interview, there was a lot of people taking shots at Shannon for it. A lot of people um saying that Club Shay Shay. Is becoming reality television that he's not doing real journalism work. He's just allowing the people to go up there and say anything like it's wrestling, like it's WWE. I don't believe that at all, man. I don't think Shannon Sharp went into that Cat Williams interviewing him, knowing that that's what Cat was going to do in a situation when he got a chance to get on the platform and really speak his mind. I don't think Shannon thought in his head, oh well, yeah, I'm this this I'm gonna get him to say all these things about people so this could blow up and go viral. I don't think Shannon goes into it with that. He's a very good interviewer. He keeps it straight, direct. He doesn't give you no fluff. Um and I like what he's doing, man, and I just feel like a lot of people start throwing hate his way. Dave Chappelle, you know, someone that I never thought would throw hate like that because I always thought Dave Chappelle was just the coolest cat and nothing could bother him. But even for him to throw shot at Shannon, you know. Um, then you had Mike Epps. Then you had Aaron Spears. Then you had Steve Harvey come out and say something about Club Shay Shay. When Steve Harvey came on to Club Shay Shay, everything Cat Williams said about these people was just a response to what they had said on Club Shay Shay. Even with the Cedric situation, I watched that interview. Shannon didn't ask him nothing crazy. He just asked him if that was a true story that Cat Williams said. You stole one of his jokes. And that's what said, came out and said what he said about, no, nah, the timing's off, and I don't know where he would get that. So everything Cat said was just a response to a lot of these people that had come on that platform. And then to turn around and blame Shannon and say it's all for the drama, and, and it's, it's uh you know, kind of like a... a, a a reality television show on Club Shay Shay, that's just bullshit, man. It, a lot of it just stems from hate. Mike Epps, Dave Chappelle, everything they was doing got pushed back. Everything 
in the world. When when Cat Williams came out with that interview, everything in the world stopped. Everything stopped. People's specials stopped. Uh, people's albums stopped. Everything stopped for people to go and listen to that interview with Cat. And I think a lot of people just couldn't stomach that. Shannon's coming in this game straight off of first take or undisputed. Uh, sorry, undisputed. And and is is doing his thing, man. And and I love what Chad. I, that was one of my favorite wide receivers for us. And I always liked I I am athlete uh, when he was on there with Brandon Marshall. I always liked that show. So for him and and, and Shannon, two great personalities. I think they just mesh. They click. They doing their thing. They 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 driving up numbers and subscriptions. And I just think there's a lot of people in the game that are hating. Um, and it, it's coming out. It's coming out like this. Uh, hearing Aaron Spears on on black tv talk about um shannon shouldn't do that what what did he do that for why did cat go on there and expose everybody like that it wasn't right his his explanation was it wasn't right because it didn't need to be done he didn't stop racism he also said it didn't help black people get out of poverty this is this is what aaron spears said about cat williams and his interview right he didn't need to expose Kevin Hart like that. All all these things. But in that same on those same videos with DJ Vlad, I wanna say it was DJ Vlad. If I'm not mistaken, there's another interview with DJ Vlad where Aaron Spears is actually going in on Kevin Hart because he has people that write his jokes. So my thing is like if you gonna come at somebody, make sure you're you what you what you're coming at him for. It's not something that you honestly did yourself. Because if you over there running your mouth about Kevin Hart, yeah, he's a good worker, but he gets people that write his jokes. Go look up that footage for Aaron Spears talking about that. That Kevin Hart has people writing his jokes. To me, a comedian, you don't want people, even if Kevin Hart does do that. As a comedian, you don't need people knowing that. You don't need, uh, as a comedian, you want everybody thinking that it comes from you. I think that's a diss in itself to even mention that. Just like when Meek said it about Drake, it turned into beef. Because as a rapper, that's the biggest insult you can give somebody that you don't write your shit. If this is what you really love to do, which I believe Kevin really loves comedy, then for someone to come out and say you don't write your material, but yeah, he's he's a hard worker, go watch that video, man. And you come and... Talk about Cat Williams and what he did. You pretty much did the same thing. So that's just the, the game being a hypocrite. And that just shows you what I'm talking about. People jealous. People don't want to see Cat do good. They didn't want to see Shannon do good. The first, And then Steven Jackson comes out and, and runs his mouth about, oh, I would have never let people come on my show and talk about people I knew like that. Man, stop it. Because when Kwame Brown lit you up and Matt Barnes, you got real quiet and started apologizing. Right. So, you know, these these guys, <coughs> these guys, it's funny. It's funny how they work, man. They don't they talk about equality and bringing each other up, but they they don't want to compete. <laughs> these guys don't want to compete. Shannon, Shannon killing them. So that's just my thoughts on everything, man. I'm happy to get back in here and give this to you guys every week. It's the Shiesty Show. Let's get Shiesty.